Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. New CBS Sunday. You collect rewards, right? This is how I make my living. When something is lost, everyone's looking for something. He finds it. You strong swimmer? So-so. So-so. So-so's okay. Justin Hartley stars. I survive. You make quick, smart decisions. You never let panic take the wheel. Sounds cool. It is cool, actually. Very cool. Tracker. New Sunday on CBS and streaming on Paramount+. Plus. presented by BetMGM. I am your host, EC, a.k.a. Eric Cohen. And hey, nobody wants to hear about me. They want to hear from the guys that made some big money last week on this program. So let's get right to it. Let's bring them in. We have the host of the Early Edge Every Day, one of the best golf bettors on the planet, Sia Najad, a.k.a. The Counselor. And then Mr. 50 to 1, picking Jake Knapp. Who the heck is Jake Knapp? And one Patrick <laughs> McDonald from CBS Sports nails it patrick how the heck did you come up with jake knapp it's the old reverse mush ec right i I came on this program said i hated the number but better anyway so naturally that's the one to hit and i just got to give a shout out to uh one guy online that they posted the clip of my my proclamation that chan kim was gonna win and then a few days later they post my clip of jake knapp winning guy in the comments goes "Uh uh-uh it doesn't work that way you had chan kim winning so I got to be better this week for that one individual out there who, who for for Chan Kim not coming through, who gave it a scare, but uh, a, a lot to play for this week at the, the Cognizant Classic. Well, congratulations, though. And if you're new to this program, we do pick multiple winners. It's not just one guy. If you're picking Chan Kim, you should get another mulligan there. Counselor, uh, you also jumped on, I believe, uh, you listened to Patrick's pick and jumped on Jake Knapp yourself. So congratulations uh, in your own regard. Yeah, it's it's too bad I didn't have it as an actual a pick of mine. If you recall, I had Jake Knapp as a first round leader. And in retrospect, I probably should have flipped that around and had the tournament pick like Patrick had. But I will say this, I did benefit off of it because I had him as a first round leader. And right before the tournament started, I was starting to feel the, the Patrick McDonald vibes, whether it be Chan Kim or Jake Knapp. And so, yeah, I actually ended up hitting big. But again, it's it, I can't even celebrate that because I didn't put that out for the world. So hopefully, I think Patrick and I might be on the same page at least here and there this week so we'll see what happens but hopefully we can cash another outright ticket yeah listen if you're cashing tickets i if they're if they're not public on the show but you're still making money and more power to you all right let's get to the storylines for the cognizant classic patrick they're back in florida is that a good thing oh it's the best time of year for golf in my opinion yeah we had the west coast swing primetime golf is cool and all but man, there's something about Florida golf. PJ National is going to eat these guys up. And then you go to Bay Hill, the Players' Championship, Vows Bar, and boom, all of a sudden, it's major championship season. I love Florida, the Florida swing. And I love the switch from Bumpy Poana to Grainy Bermuda. It's going to play a factor this week for sure. 
See, you're looking a little bit further down the board. Not top. I mean, if you look at the odds this week, so Rory McIlroy is a clear favorite at like plus seven fifty. Then there's nobody else above twenty to one or below twenty to one. Everybody else is kind of down in that mid board. What is, what's your storyline this week heading into the Cognizant? So with these non-signature or non-elevated designated events, whatever synonym we want to use, I mean, we're going to see, you know, a couple of guys at the top. Granted, they, over the next few weeks, when we, when we go to the players, for example, or even the API, we're going to see a lot of names at the top of the board. So we're not going to have this split like we have with Rory and everybody else and Tony Finau and everybody else uh, last week at the Mexico Open. But I do think it's an opportunity for, for some of those second or third tier guys. Like I see Steven Yeager. Somebody's mentioned him in the chat. Moshi has mentioned him. Uh, Keith Mitchell. I was on both of those guys last week. We'll see if I'm on them this week as well. Uh, ben On, Min Woo Lee. Like there are some guys, even a Jake Knapp, who emerged. And honestly, I think everybody wants Jake Knapp to be good because a lot of the personalities went to live. I do think these types of tournaments are a really good landing spot for some of these quote-unquote lesser names to make a name for themselves so if Rory doesn't win it uh, you know or, or you know even even an Eric Cole for example like I think he could be that guy to like make take another an additional step up but there's plenty of names right after Rory that I think could be very important to the PGA Tour coming up and it's tournaments like this that can really really establish them my bonus storyline is you, you can't bet Rory at that number, just considering the way he's playing. But we'll talk about that later in the yep. show. My main storyline is, is this a tournament that's best to bet in play as compared to beforehand? Because, let me give you a couple of stats. Since 2010, no winner has come outside the top nine after the second round. And since 2010, only once has the winner been ranked lower than second after round three, and that was in 2020 when Sung J M was fifth. So this is a great live betting opportunity. If the tournament is bunched up, just look at the top nine. I mean, the, the trends don't lie. Look at the top nine after Friday. Look at the top five, I guess, after Saturday. And you might be able to make some money in play. But I don't have a strong feeling at the at just as an outright this week. And I did hit Chris Kirk last year, but I'm just not feeling convicted this week. So, you know what? Maybe I'm saving my money for in play. Guys, uh, Patrick, your thoughts on that. Am I on to something with those trends or should we throw that out at this point? No, I, I think you're probably on to something, especially at a place like PJ National, where I think it's what, 15 holes have water featured on them. They come into play and we see it time and time again. I mean, these guys implode on the bear trap. We'll see scores in the 80s this week. And then you add in that weekend pressure and someone who's only two, three shots back inside the top 10 can make up a lot of ground with, with a solid round. See, uh, let's go move on to DFS picks. Now, you were just talking about Min Woo Lee, that you, you liked him in the middle of the board. But then I look at your fade here, and, and we're going anti-Min Woo Lee. So what does this mean? Well, I mean, listen, I don't like Min Woo Lee, but I do. I would concede that he's a name that the PGA Tour would probably like to you know, start winning. I mean, he really hasn't been that good. And frankly, I don't think he's a great course fit here, and which is why I'm fading Min Woo Lee. And, and we'll see what his ownership is. I don't think he's going to be super popular. So if you want to take him as a contrarian play, uh, feel free. But again, he's kind of a big name, especially when you get to tournaments like this. Uh, it's a no thank you at 9,600. Plenty of guys in that 9K and even 8K range that I like a lot better. But in, in terms of guys I want to play, I'll start with Keith Mitchell at 9,000. Obviously, I was on him last week. Everybody knows he was my my favorite outright at 35 to 1. That number had gotten bet down. By the time we aired our show, it was bet down to 25 to 1, and then it got to 22 to 1. What's so interesting about Keith Mitchell is remember how he started the tournament. Chan Kim, by the way, he started with back-to-back-to-back birdies. Well, Keith Mitchell started with back-to-back-to-back -to -back -to -back bogeys. And what I love about what he did 
was he was awesome after that. He gained inc- like incredibly so with the ball striking, particularly on approach. If memory serves, over eight strokes gained on approach, and that's after that rough start. So when you get to a course like this, where there are implosion opportunities, I, I like the grit that Keith Mitchell showed. And by the way, his ball striking is very good too. And I think he's got it with the short game. We know he's won here before. The around the green game hasn't been good lately, but if you look at what he's done at the Honda Classic, AKA the Cognizant Classic, the short game's actually been there altogether, including the around the green play. So I think Keith Mitchell, again, is live to win. You know, we'll, we'll look at my outrights. He's in that 40 to 35 to one range, depending on where you look. And at 9,000, I, I think he's really got a, sh- a shot to finish in the top spot. So, I mean, I'm going to start some lineups with Keith Mitchell. I'll bypass everybody else and start right there, at least in some lineups. Then I'm going to go to Doug Gim. Okay. I just talked about how Keith Mitchell has great course history. Well, Doug Gim, the actual opposite. He's played here three times. He's missed all three cuts. However, Doug Gim's game is in a, is in a state right now that I think I'm willing to look at the recent history over the course history. He is literally gaining everywhere, and that includes with the short game. It includes largely with the putter. At 7,000, I don't expect him to win this tournament, but at 7,000, I think he's a great deal. He might pick up some popularity because on any model, this guy is going to flash. And by the way, he's a great course fit. He's going to keep it in the fairway. The approach game is there. And again, I think he's going to at least be decent with the short game. So like it at 7,000. The other guy, you might remember him from last week, Justin Lower at 6,400. So what's really really funny is I wanted to play him last week, but I thought he was a little too short off the tee to contend at the Mexico Open. Well, I was wrong about that. And when you look at his numbers, part of the reason I liked him last week was because of what he's doing, particularly on approach. He's gained the last nine measured rounds. He's gained on approach in eight of them and appreciably so. He's also made eight out of his last nine cuts and he's and he's made four cuts in a row like he's doing everything to be priced like a like a $7,500 golfer. And yet, you know, he's down, like there's a lot of weird pricing this week. He's down here in the 6,400 range. I just want everybody to know, uh, this isn't a recency bias thing. I'm not chasing last week where he did phenomenally. He's actually been very good for a couple of months now, if not longer, actually longer than that. So lowers a guy at 6,400 that I think is a great price. And he's probably, even though he was great last week, he's probably not going to pick up a ton of ownership. Yeah, that's a pretty nice find at 6,400. I mean, this is why people watch this show for you to dig up that one. As much as I did my research yesterday, Justin Lauer was not or lower. It was not coming in my mix here. Now, a guy that I was, you know, for my column on Sportsline, the fantasy rankings column, guy that I was fading big time was Matt Fitzpatrick. He's the second highest rated player in the field. Number nine golfer in the world. Rory McIlroy, obviously the highest number two in the world. But Patrick, you and I are kind of having synergy this week. I do not like Fitzpatrick especially at that number. Yeah, it just seems pretty expensive for a guy who seems a little out of sorts at the moment. The full swing isn't cooperating. And when you get on a course like PJ National without your best stuff in the ball striking department with a driver that's a bit wayward, more than normal for someone like Fitzpatrick, uh, it, it just seems like it could be a disaster situation. Uh, so because of that, I'm going to fade him. I, I, I can't imagine he's going to be super high owned. So if you do want to play him for a leverage, type of situation by all means but form uh, i'm not really too keen on it as for who i am playing christian bezet and oot $7, cbez has been phenomenal phenomenal over the last six months he's inside the top 10 total strokes gained inside the top 15 putting inside the top five on approach extremely accurate off the tee great short game he's technically collected a winner's check already this season with that runner-up finish at the american express has made both cuts in his appearances one being a t25 so 
Uh, he, he might drive some ownership, that's for sure, but I'm, I'm, I'm still okay with it. I like him every which way this week. Michael Kim, 6,400, burned us last week. Uh, let's just put that out there. He's coming off two straight missed cuts. The driver was really bad last week. But I think long-term, this guy is just not worth the 6,400 price tag, in my opinion. I think he's extremely undervalued. Uh, and so I, I like his play just because, I mean, talk about a salary saver right there. And then another one, Grayson Sig, 6,100, came through for us late in a matchup against Chesson Hadley. I thought that was a loss for sure. Backdoored that one to win by one. Top 20 in Mexico. Uh, ball striking really flashed. He's another guy whose course history is horrible here. A couple missed cuts, but southeastern boy, he lives in Sea Island, and uh, I think he's going to keep a good thing going this weekend. 6,100, you can't beat that. Well, that's a that's a good price for him. I actually hit my matchup fading him last week against Carson Young, but you hit yours with backing him. So hey, that's a win-win. That is that is some kind of synergy on this program. Now, if you watch this show every week, one of the favorite segments for a lot of people that they will ask me about is all right, I gotta see what is the counselor going to do with his FRLs. Because see, uh, if there's anybody on the planet that is more profitable over the last couple of years picking this market. I haven't met him yet. I haven't come across them yet. So what do you have this week at uh, Palm Beach Gardens? So it's true what you said, but I got to admit, you know, I haven't hit one of these yet. I've come a pretty close, but le- le- last week I-, I really didn't come that close. I- I'm going to have a bounce back here. Actually, I'm actually, let me say this. I'm feeling better about my first round leaders, which, which I think people will chuckle at, right? This week versus last week. So take that for whatever it's worth, but really like these numbers. By the way, BetMGM does offer the best first round leader numbers kind of across the board. There are some at other books that, that are at least comparable, maybe even better. But most of these numbers, like the Keith Mitchell, Steven Yeager first round leader at BetMGM, it's 50 to 1. Uh, at some books, it's 40 to 1. So just keep that in mind. That's a pretty big difference. Uh, Matthew Pavon, Doug Gim, similar situation there. All right, let me start with Keith Mitchell. We just talked about him. And honestly, I could probably box Steven Yeager and Keith Mitchell together. By the way, these are all morning tea times. So just keep that in mind. I am targeting morning guys. Um, Keith Mitchell, he was so good last week. After after those three bogeys, he was really, really good. I was really impressed again with his grit. But again, he's been good here. So he should be comfortable here. And the ball striking can get so red hot. And given that he has good history here, particularly with the short game, which can sometimes be his downfall, I really like him at 50-1 to to potentially be a first-round leader. Steven Yeager, I actually think, by the way, has good history here as well. I think he's got the all-around game to like get him. Like I think he's going to have a good tournament. But again, he's a guy where the ball striking hasn't been quite as hot as I'd want it to be. But for a single round, we know Steven Yeager can get it done. I like him at 50-1. to 1. I'm going right back to these guys in large part, just like I did last week. Matthew Pavan is very interesting at 60-1. to 1. Like, no course experience here. I'm not really going to knock him for that. Although, when it comes to first-round leaders, that is usually a knock for me. The reason it's not a knock for me in this case is because he's been so red hot. I mean, if you just look at what he's doing across the board, ball striking, I'm talking off the tee, particularly on approach with the putter, he is like the premium first-round leader candidate. Granted, he doesn't have experience on this course. I don't know that that's super necessary these days, particularly on this course. I think Matthew Pavon, he's going to come up again later in the show. I I think we're kind of missing the boat here as an industry on how good he's been. I mean, third at Pebble. First at the Farmers, T39 at Amex, T7 at Sony. Like, this is a guy that, like, people still aren't talking about, and he is absolutely crushing it. My final one here, the guy who I just said probably can't win the tournament, but the numbers and metrics are so, so good. Can he get hot for 18 holes and redeem himself at the Honda Classic, a.k.a. the Cognizant Classic? I think the answer is yes. I'm willing to take it at 66-1. to 1. 
Well, we know that you are the chief member of the uh, Stephen Yeager fan club. We'll add Matthew Pavon to your list there of, of guys that you're going to play each week. But coming up next, we have a four-pack of matchups from one Patrick McDonald. First, let's hear from one of our sponsors. You can now relive the best moments of the UEFA Champions League 24-7. The UEFA Champions League channel is a new 24-hour streaming channel serving non-stop goals, highlights, and full match replays from the world's most prestigious club competition. Reminisce on your favorite moments, legendary players, and brilliant goals with the UEFA Champions League channel, streaming around the clock on Pluto TV and the CBS Sports app. You know, as I kind of cheat and look ahead in the study guide here and see the matchups, Patrick, you and Sia, are, are, there's a lot of, I guess, synergy between you two on, on the show tonight. Uh, let's start with uh, with Matthew Pavon, somebody that Sia just we, is now the chief member of his fan club. You are backing him this week. Yeah, I'll take the VP role this week, I guess. And uh, even Keith Mitchell, too. I'm, I'm going with both of Sia's guys, and we're going to pick on – one Daniel Berger, who probably should have won this tournament before. He had a five-stroke lead, I think, a few years ago. Blew it on that mm-hmm. rainy rainy Sunday. Lives right down the street. He's been striking the ball pretty solid since his comeback. Uh, short game's been off, and you'd think a, a switch to Florida uh, would kind of remedy that situation. But I, I just think the course history that Berger has is baked in way too much into these lines. So I'm going to try to pick on him a little bit. Uh, it could turn bad, but like Sia said, Pavon's playing great golf. Mitchell's playing great golf, too, so I like both those guys. Minus 120 for Mitchell, minus 105 for the Frenchman. Uh, and then I'm going with Cebez again, plus 100, even money over Adam Svensson. Uh, Adam actually has a win at this course, I believe a Corn Ferry Tour event. Decent history as well, coming off a of T10. But this is one of those situations where I love Cebez this week. It's going to bite me in the butt, I already know, but I love him this week. So even money, I will take. And then Russell Henley, even money over Cameron Young. Young Cameron, it, it, he just makes me feel like an idiot whenever I pick on him or pick him or attack him in any, any way. But if I'm going to go at him with a guy, it's my guy, Russ Bus Henley. I mean, Mr. Consistent, one of the most underrated players on the PGA Tour. Great for this golf course, a winner here in the past. So I love, love Henley this week at even money. And I wanted a little exposure to him. I see now you and I are thinking alike there. I, I have a Henley play, which I'll get to in a second, but I look at Sia's plays. Sia, do you remember who was in the playoff last year at this event? Which two golfers those were? Uh, it was Eric Cole and uh, the winner of the tournament. Which would be? Sepp Chris Kirk. Chris Kirk, sorry. Chris. So yeah, you have them both heading up your matchups. That's why I asked you that. I thought that was kind of interesting. Why do you like both those guys again this year? Yeah, this the Chris Kirk play, I mean, it seems like kind of an obvious play. And I don't want to say no matter who he's up against, but he's up against Min Woo Lee, who I, who I plan to fade and who I don't think is a great course fit. Like, we know Min Woo Lee is great off the tee, and he might be okay with the short game, but the approach play isn't there. I think he's going to be wild. It wouldn't surprise – like, first of all, he has the talent to win the tournament, but it really wouldn't surprise me if he missed the cut. And Kirk is so steady that I'm just – I'm banking on him being the steady Chris Kirk that, like, lands at least somewhere near the top 20, if not well inside the top 20. And I don't know that I see that consistency with Min Woo Lee. So I really like this number with Chris Kirk. And I understand why the number is there, but honestly, it wouldn't surprise me if this number moves a little bit. Uh, Eric Cole at minus 130 over Tom Kim. First of all, we, we just talked about how Eric Cole probably should have won this tournament last year, but 
he's been so much better than Tom Kim as well. So, I mean, whether you want to go on course history or recent history, and I don't think Tom Kim's played here before, uh, Eric Cole has just been that dude on approach with the putter. He's just been that guy that's been very, very consistent. And while trouble is lurking everywhere on this course and there's no sure thing, when I first saw this matchup, I was like, oh my gosh. This is Eric Cole all day. Now, listen, I might not play him in DFS because he might be super popular. I might not play him as an outright because the number's just a little too short. But Eric Cole over Tom Kim, I'll play that all day. Uh, you know what? I actually like both those golfers this week, as you'll see later in the show. But, I, you know, uh, Patrick talked about getting some exposure in this in this segment to Russell Henley. Well, I'm getting plus 175 over Rory McIlroy. Listen, Russell Henley won here in 2014. His last four here were all in the top 25, last two in the top 10. Now, Rory did win here in 2012, but in his last three appearances here, missed cut, missed cut, T59. Not good. Plus, Rory is not in the best of form. At plus 175, I think there is definite value for Henley here. As far as this next one, I just don't like the way, I don't like the form that Sun JM is in. I know he won here in 2020, but after that, missed cut and T42 in his last two here. And he hasn't been playing well at all since the century, the, the uh, opening tournament of the year. Shane Lowry, on the other hand, hasn't won in this country in a long time, but... He has top fives in his last two appearances here. The golf is, he's playing a little bit better than Sung JM and pretty much at, at minus 110. Yeah, I'm good with that. So I'll take those two as my two head-to-heads this week. Now, we are on to the uh, my favorite part, which is the finishing positions. Patrick going to sit this one out, but I will have a question for him at the end. But see, you have a couple of them. You're playing a little conservative, including one of the golfers that you're the chief member of the fan club, Steven Yeager. Yeah, and again, speaking of synergy, I got Cebez on here too. I, I do want to say this, and I don't know if I mentioned it last week because again, last week wasn't my best week. I had, I obviously, I hit the, um, hit one of the two matchups. Of course, I had the showdown with Japan, so I ended up hitting uh, Jaeger over Grio. By the way, credit to Japan; he paid me the moment those two ended their round. So, uh, pretty good stuff there. Uh, w- with all that said, the reason I preface it with that it wasn't my best tournament was because I, I lost. I had two finishing position plays, and, and I lost them both. They were two T thirties. One was Michael Kim, the other one I'm forgetting. But the long and short of it is, not only do I want to stay conservative with this market right now, because I've just been a little dicey over the last few weeks with it, but I know this is something that Patrick's mentioned in in like previous early wedges from last year. And I think I mentioned it last week, but I never go a full unit on these. Like my matchups, my round matchups and my tournament matchups, that's where I go a full unit. These finishing positions, because I do think... They, they, they tend to be a little bit more volatile for my wallet. I, I tend to like, like these are more like half unit plays. You all can bet whatever you want to bet. Don't get me wrong. I just want people to know that my confidence in these is strong, but it's not as strong as let's say Eric Cole over Tom Kim, the singular matchup. I got to beat one guy. Whereas here might sound easy that I got to beat 40 guys, but it's not necessarily as easy as you think, especially on a volatile course like this where trouble is lurking everywhere. And that's why I'm kind of going conservative with the player type that I'm looking for. There were a couple other players I was going to to add here but Christian Bezedenhout at T40 he's been he's like kind of been a T40 machine like that's sort of his his happy place inside the like the top 30 inside the top 40 and and just Patrick made all the arguments for him I think T40 at minus 120 is a good number and then Steven Yeager top 30 I almost went top 20 here at plus 190 you can feel free to do that if you just want to be a little bit more risky I, I think Steven Yeager will top 20 I just wanted a little bit more safety and because I was still getting a plus number I got Steven Yeager top 30 plus 110 all right so i want to i want to uh get to my because see i actually do put about a full unit or more on some Fair of enough. these uh, i get i get carried away with these finishing positions and i've done pretty well had some had some nice hits in the last few so uh, so, so Eric, have, let me let, let me interrupt yeah, you right there because yeah. the only reason because this is important for betters to know like 
find out what you're good at, right? F- find out what where the dividend is. And you see, in your case, like it's here. In my case, it, it's actually not been here. It's been with head-to-head matchups. So I, I want everybody to kind of like, when you're watching this, kind of like, track your own bets and, and see yeah. like wh- whoever you're tracking, like see like where the money's coming in. Maybe you're tracking EC's uh, finishing position plays and, and you're tracking Patrick McDonald's outrights and, and, uh, and head to head matchups, whatever it is, like don't just blindly do like find out what's actually working and then just go with that. Sorry. Yeah. And I think that's, and that's great advice. Absolutely. I, I kind of tried to spread mine uh, probably too much this week, but I'm rolling with it. I really like Rasmus Hoygaard. Uh, top 10 is plus 400. Top 20 is plus 200. So on the DP World Tour since October, these are his finishes. T16, T6, T11, 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 solo second, T8, T6. And this guy hasn't finished outside the top 16 in his last, what is that, eight tournaments? Now, he wants to get a full uh, exemption on the PGA Tour like his brother, Nikolai, so I wouldn't be surprised to see Rasmus play really well this week. No, no course history, which usually is not an angle that I like to play. But at this course, it doesn't really matter. Listen, we saw what happened with Eric Cole last year. No course history. The guy probably should have won. So Rasmus Hoygaard with that kind of form, I absolutely like. And I'm going to play top 10 and top 20. Talked about Cole a little bit. I'm playing him top 20 at plus 125. Solo second here. You know, had that tournament pretty much won. Chris Kirk kind of stole it from him in the playoff. But he has four top 15s in seven tournaments this year. His ceiling, though, I, I'm not as high in his ceiling as, as you guys. His, his high thus far is a, top, is a T10. So I could see a top 20, but I'm not as confident in betting that top 10 market. So I'll play the, what, the plus 125 here. I do like Tom Kim for the reason that he has gained strokes with his irons, uh, a.k.a. on approach in seven of his last nine tournaments. We're getting plus 138 at BetMGM. And Ben on, uh, top 20. Uh, not another one that... I mean, I'll probably dabble with as an outright, as you'll see. But he had a solo fourth at the century and lost in the playoff at the Sony Open. He has two top fives and five appearances here and a T21. And he's a better golfer now than he was when he was playing in this tournament, which was as of, you know, 2017 to 2021. So I feel pretty good about that one. Uh, he does like the course. And maybe he will expl- he'll have better form than he's had over the last few weeks. Now, I had an interesting question from Sean uh, in the chat. He says, if DK and FD are the only fit available books in Vermont, would you still bet finishing position bets with really bad dead heat rules? Sia, I'm going to go to you on this one. How do you feel about that? I need to double check because I'm pretty sure the DK dead heat rules, and I know we talked about this a little bit yesterday. The, are, are they not at least better than the FanDuel dead heat rules, though? They're, they're, it's what they do, based on what I, my experience, is they will take, let's say your guy ties with five others for T10 and you bet a top 10. It will take your bet size and it will divide it by five and you'll still get the odds. So if your guy's plus 400, you'll get one-fifth of your bet at plus 400. Right, but but I'm pretty sure that DK does it slightly differently than FanDuel. Okay, I, I, FanDuel I, I, is I, horrible. Which is why the FanDuel finishing position odds are always much, much better than DraftKings, than BetMGM, than literally every other sports book. It's almost like an inducement, like, hey, check these odds out. Mm-hmm. But I know like the way they do their pro rata share or whatever, and I, and I got to get into that. Like, I can probably find out what they actually do versus what DraftKings does. But my advice would be, do DraftKings because I, I actually think they, they still apply dead heat, but they do it in a different way. I think DraftKings is still legit when it comes to finishing positions. Yeah, yeah I, I would I, probably I, go ahead, Patrick. Yeah. Uh, DraftKings does dead heat the traditional way, which EC just described. FanDuel, I don't know what it is, but I swear to like I have to pay the money sometimes. It's yeah, just I'd not hear, good. 
Yeah, it's Fan, not good. So FanDuel yeah. is the watch out one for sure. I think you can, I think you can, to answer the question, I think you can do finishing positions with DraftKings and at least know, well, it's not like BetMGM does it, but like you're, it, it's, it's a fair assessment of how to uh, apply dead heat rules. All right. So if you do live in a state with BetMGM, well, you got to play your, your uh, finishing positions here because they pay out ties in full. So if you're not a BetMGM customer, well, here's a good time to sign up. As new BetMGM customers can sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets. Just place your first wager of at least $5, and you'll receive $150 instantly in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome, with bonus code EDGE150. That's EDGE150. Last week on the show, Patrick McDonald hit a 50-1. to Can he do it again? Let's find out after we hear from one of our sponsors. Listen, I love some March Madness just as much as anyone. But you know what I miss in March this year? The Dell match play. I think that that I love that tournament. That was one of my favorites all year. I'm going to miss it. It was just kind of a bracket style. It's March. You kind of get, all right, let's get back to the outrights here. Patrick, hey, can, last I, can week, I ask fifth, a question? Can I, yeah. cause I, cause I know Patrick, we like, you're, you're much more a big time golfer than, than anybody that's ever been on, on this show. The thing, I, the problem I had with the Dell match play was it just seemed like such a grind over like the last two days when you have to play. Basically, I believe it was 36 holes back to back days. I- I'm curious, like, it, it w- like what, what what's your thought there? It's just it's just a couple extra rounds of golf. It's no big deal. But I, I like for some reason, I always like felt like empathy for the players who 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 went long because it's like, man, they're they're going to be feeling that. Yeah, I think a perfect week for a professional golfer in, in that type of tournament is like making making it out of the group and losing in the first knockout stage or maybe winning their first knockout and then losing that afternoon, something like that, because it, it was right before like the masters too. And these guys were just tiring themselves out. It's not really needed. And, and so, yeah, like you said, it's a grind. And that's why you have guys like Matt Kuchar, Kevin Kisner, Billy Orschel play so well in it. Cause they can just grind you down. Yeah. Now, if I remember correctly, if we look at 2022, didn't Scotty Scheffler, uh, well, how did he do with the uh, the Dell match play? I thought he did pretty he well there. Oh, he yeah, he won that, and then he won the Masters, right? Was that yeah. the same year? I yeah, so, yeah, I mean, twenty two. But there are a few weeks yeah. in between that. Okay, week. so there there are a few weeks. In, I I liked it. It just got me in the the mood. I agree with you, Sia, with what you're saying, and, and Patrick. As far as you know, a lot of golf. Would I want to do that? No, but you know what? For that amount of money, Sam Burns, good for him last year. Uh, he won it. Now, before we get to outrights, I, I came up with my list. We've talked about it. My auto fades, guys that you cannot bet on top. You know, Tommy Fleetwood, uh, RBC Canadian Open. (laughs) Yeah, you're dead to me when you lose to Nick Taylor on that. (laughs) Sam Burns, we all remember at the American Express. The Gala and Cam Young, I'm bitter about the Phoenix Open. Scotty Scheffler, no, I'm not betting him under 10 to 1. Just not happening. Uh, We'll get your guys' feedback on this, obviously. Can't lay after what he did to me uh, at the Genesis uh, Invitational. Absolutely on this list. And Finau last week, you're much better in terms of class in the rest of the field and you can't even get a top 10. Yeah, you're an auto fade for me right now. Uh, Patrick, I know you always enjoy when I come up with lists like this, and we're going to keep this tracked. Uh, your thoughts on, on some of these players for outrights. This kind of looks like my my betting card for the API next week, potentially. <laughs> uh, I mean, I, I would be surprised if one of these players don't win in the Florida swing. I'll put it that way. Okay. All right. When they win, they get put, they get I'll crossed put, I'll put off a, the list. I'll put a hundred on it for you. How about that? All right. So you've got you've got all these guys. Uh, the, these one of seven. them has to win in Florida. Okay, and we're going up through. This is just the month of March, correct? The five five weekends in March. 
It's a Florida yes, swing. So, so it's uh, this week, API players and Valspar. Those four terms. Okay, four weeks. All right. You know, I'll take that bet. There's a showdown. Jake, hit the music. I mean, you're getting Scotty Scheffler at, at you know, a good price. I gave that to you. But you know what? I feel pretty good about this. I, I like I like my chances here. If Tommy Fleetwood breaks his winless drought on the PGA Tour and I lose because of that, I will never forgive myself. All right. <laughs> let's get on to your our championship winner. Here it comes. <laughs> oh, gosh. That, that will be – I will wear the bag on my head if that happens. All right. Patrick, you uh, are going to take a shot at going two for two. You, you hit this last week. With Jake Knapp, 50 to 1. And you got a couple, you got three guys that are in that neighborhood again this week. Let's uh, let's hear about them. Yeah, we'll pepper the mid-range. Uh, Keith Mitchell, 40 to 1 for all the reasons. See you laid out uh, perfectly before. Corey Connors at that same number. Ball striking has been world-class from the Canadian. Uh, really good blend of distance and accuracy off the tee, which I think you need at PGA National. It's not, you know, being accurate is great, but you got to play aggressive into some of these fairways as well uh, to set yourself up for the second shot. And Connors ranked second off the tee, only behind McRoy over the last six months. Iron play has been great. Short game has been dreadful, horrible, disgusting. You don't want to see it. I'm hoping the switch to Florida can help him out. He's always been a guy to pop with the putter on Bermuda in Florida. I'm hoping that chipping can follow suit too, or he just hits all the greens. Uh, and then Seb Straka, 45 to 1. The recent results haven't been great, but this is a guy who just pops up and contends. And when he contends, he has a great he has a great track record in, you know, seriously contending, right? I mean, second at the Hero, second at the Open, winner at the John Deere, a winner here, fifth place last season. The ball striking looks sharp. He's a Southeast guy. I mean, I know he's from Austria, but uh, UGA guy, lives in Alabama, from Austria. <laughs> uh, and so you get him in SEC country. I, I like his chance at 45. And Sia, you kind of have the same strategy as Patrick here. You're going big numbers with a few of your fan club members. We know we got Steven Yeager. We got Pavon, Keith Mitchell as well. I guess I'm not really shocked at this list. Yeah, I mean, listen, last week it was there was a couple names on this list. And by the way, we have a long shot section and you might see an extra couple of names, an extra couple of plays, maybe an extra first round leader. But yeah, these are my horses. This is where I'm going to be, you know, spreading most of my outright, you know, equity on Keith Mitchell again. He started off like I do think there's something to be said who a guy like for a guy who starts off three over, a guy who's expected to do well, starts off three over like he did at the Mexico Open, and then battles back to top 20 of the tournament. He had a couple of great rounds. He gained over 10 strokes ball striking last week. And that was going into the week where the ball striking was looking really good. So to me, like strokes gained grit, strokes gained, you know, adversity. Like that's what you need here along with the ball striking and short game, which he doesn't really have, but has had at this particular venue. So I really like Keith Mitchell plus 4,000. Steven Yeager, he kind of checks a lot of boxes. I mentioned last week, I think Steven Yeager in tournaments like this, this is where he's going to win. I liked him last week. I like him this week as well. I mean, I understand the course is a, a touch different, but I think it requires a lot of the same stuff. Steven Yeager plus 4,000, really like it. And then this is my dude here, Matthew Pavon. I feel like we're not talking, for whatever reason, we're not talking about him. And I, I'm not saying he's as talented as, talented as Ludwig or, or anybody like that, but he might be. 
I don't know. When you tell me uh, somebody finished third at Pebble and first at the Farmers and T39 at Amex and T7 at the Sony. And by the way, I'm not leaving tournaments out. Those just happen to be his last four tournaments on the PGA Tour. Uh, at 60 to 1, knowing that he's doing it the right way, it's ball striking, it's approach play, it's the putter. Like, I don't know what more you can ask for. I don't think he should be 60 to 1. I, th- I know in some markets he's probably 50. I think he should honestly be priced at 40 with Jaeger and Mitchell. I'll take him. So, in my fantasy column on sportsline.com, Russell Henley was number one on my list. I had Rory McElroy number two. I mean, you got to throw that in there. But Henley is my top pick this week. Rasmus Hoygaard was number three. 45 to one. I mean, he listen now, Patrick, what are the rules as far as if he wins, he gets, he gets a PGA tour exemption, uh, like his brother, you know, full time on the circuit. What else does he need to do? Do you know, to, to get that exemption outside of winning? Uh, I'm honestly not, not too familiar. I believe it is gaining as many FedEx cup points as maybe the previous year, 150, uh, maybe 125, one of those cutoff points. Rasmus, I will be betting you as long as you stay in this current form at 45 to 1. Sounds good to me. Tom Kim and Ben on. Listen, do I like the numbers? Not as much. I, I, I like the iron game for both players. Once again, this is more of a sprinkle on those guys. Henley and Hoygaard are my top two on this board, but I'm throwing Tom Kim and on in there. I just don't love the numbers as much. I do, I do think that one of them can break through this week. Uh, I will not have a full uh win share on them let's just uh put it that way all right time for the long shots see i'm gonna start with you i kind of like uh kind of like what you're doing here you're trying something a little bit different here uh we're going an frl long shot and an outright long shot uh and a couple of outright long shots let's hear about them by the way there's some people that like david talk you're dropping all, all kinds of picks i see the svensson the griffin pick all of that absolutely love that and i think those are pretty smart picks the davis riley one i wasn't so sure about but uh just love that people are dropping picks in the chat and by the way somebody mentioned david talk uh the person i just uh just gave a compliment to he says dk and caesars are terrible no matchups so just so you know i'm, I'm just looking i happen to not be looking at caesars at the moment but DraftKings does have matchups. That's where I think most of our tournament matchups came from. I think there were some BetMGM. So just keep that in mind. You might be looking at the wrong place. Maybe you're referring to round matchups, which you're right, they don't have, but they actually already have round three balls. And the article that I'm going to put out for Sportsline, it's going to have all these picks on it. But if I find one I like today or, or tonight when I put the article out, I'll put it in the article just so everybody knows. And if I don't find it today, then it'll be on either the early edge tomorrow or the early edge on Thursday with tea times. Uh, sometimes I'll put the pick out early. So look for that tomorrow morning. Just something to keep in mind there. But yeah, my first round, it's Akshay Batia plus 7,500. So I think we sort of forgot about Akshay Batia a little bit. So he's he's a first round leader, long shot, and he's a winner long shot. So he missed the cut at Phoenix. I believe it was Phoenix. And so, and he hasn't played since then. But prior to that, like, Akshay Batia was really good, and I actually think he's a pretty, pretty, pretty good course fit. I think he's long enough off the tee. I think he can get red hot uh, with the approach play and with the putter. Again, a guy like this in a tournament like this, if, if it's not Rory that ends up emerging and winning, I think you could go this far down the board when you're talking about talent level. I think when you look at the guys around Akshay Batia in this 70, 80, 90 to 1 range, I think a lot of them lack upside, which is probably why I'll play a little bit of Akshay Batia when it comes to DraftKings as well or whatever dfs as well but i just think 
you know, again, he's got a morning tee time for the first round leader. I do think he's live to potentially win this tournament at 80 to one. And again, because he hasn't played much and the last time we saw him, it was a missed cut. I think he's sort of out of our consciousness. And, and maybe that's uh, a good thing for betting purposes because the number's long. And then winner, Doug Gim. I had to put him in the long shot category at 70 to one. This is just a sprinkle. Listen, I like him as a first round leader potentially, but given his history here, it is quite the long shot that he's actually going to win this tournament, but I can't ignore the metrics. So it's 70 to one. I'm willing to sprinkle just a little bit on Doug Gim to win this whole thing. All right, there you go. Now, Patrick, a guy that you talked about earlier, Besiden, who you're picking him at 66 to 1 is your long shot. Yeah, I feel like I got nothing else to add. I just, uh, he looks close. Like Sia said, he is that top 40, top 30 machine, but the iron play in the putting has just been so good. He's a guy who's not really going to get in much trouble off the tee. Uh, and so because of that, I think he's going to give himself a good chance to win over the weekend. You guys know I love some parlays. Well, did you think we were going to do another golf show without having parlays? Hey, I hit one of these the other week. Uh, came came a little bit close-ish last week. Uh, you know, I love to say that. Almost. <laughs> well, this week, these numbers are just like, these are outstanding. Like, uh, you can find these at DK. A top 10 parlay, Ben on and Tom Kim. Love that iron play. Moshe asked, why do I like Tom Kim? That iron play gained strokes in seven of his last nine on approach. That is key at PGA National uh, at 15 to one, and you get paid out with ties. So they both could finish T10. You still get paid out at 15 to one. Sign me up. And I love this top 20 parlay. Have all three of these guys in my in the top 15 of my fantasy article. Uh, Cam Young, uh, we referenced him uh, collectively a little bit earlier. Uh, Eric Cole, who has been discussed uh, a little bit here. And, and Hoygaard, who I really, really like. At 17 to one with ties. I mean, I am going to. This might be a full unit play. I know C is going to roll his eyes at that. I I love this. Uh, give me. I'm gonna I'm gonna walk away with that. You know, four figure win. I'm just kidding. All right. Anyways, let's guys. Uh, we're gonna try something a little bit different. This we're gonna end uh, kind of on a high note. Um, it's time for live picks where Patrick and I have have been uh, soaring. Uh, so I write the live column on Sportsline because Patrick apparently is too busy with you know, CBS Sports. <laughs> all the all the CBS Sports columns. And I've hit two winners in two tournaments. No, oh, by the way, Patrick has had both of them, I believe, as well. So we're all going to jump in on this one. See, it will start with you. Sergio finished uh, uh, second uh, in Mayakoba. Now you're picking him to win outright here. Why? Uh, I'm, I'm not going to pretend like I did a lot of research for this. I noticed we had to submit a live pick, and I know you guys have actually studied it. The one thing I know about Sergio, and, and EC, you've been kind of alluding to it, uh, he's actually been playing pretty well. Again, speaking about our consciousness, like when we think of live, we're not thinking of Sergio, right? We're thinking of Bryson. We're thinking of Brooks. We're thinking of Joaquin Neiman, like some really fun names. And while I like all those guys, I, I just, listen, Sergio at 22 to 1, I think he's a good course fit. And I, and I just happen to know he's playing well. So this is devoid of uh, much research. You guys have the floor. But I do want to shout out somebody. And it's not just Sergio Garcia at plus 2200. AMAGS is in the chat. And I do, because this is an early edge production. This is a sports line show. I do want to shout out, if you didn't watch the early wedge this morning, just know that we don't wait till the Major League Baseball season to actually come back and give you baseball picks. We have our futures shows, and AMAGS is going to be featured in those futures shows. AL futures, NL futures, prop futures, like Rookie of the Year and MVP and Cy Young and all that. Those are all going to be debuting early March. So like they start in about a week and they're, they're, we're going to go about a week's worth with some MLB features and AMAX is going to be a part of that. And by the way, he's not in here for that. I happen to know from last year and I think early this year, he tracks our bets too. And he cashes in, especially on our matchups and in our round matchups too. So I wanted to promote him and the early edge and sports line. It's going to be so much going on with March Madness, with 
obviously Major League Baseball, the NBA, hockey, and then, of course, all this golf stuff. Sorry, uh, I went on on a tangent there. Uh, Live. No, and speaking of of baseball, I just want to point this out. On the website today, don't ask me how or why, I gave out score predictions for spring training games, and apparently there will be an article tomorrow with score predictions for spring training games. Once again, don't ask how or why. I have a question. Uh, Yes, go ahead. Me? Uh Are you calling on me? Uh, yes, yes. Go ahead, counselor. Okay. Um, did you make picks, and how successful were you on the picks? Uh, today was about five hundred. There were a lot of ties That's not in bad. spring training, That's so not we were bad. close to we were close to five hundred. So I'm going to after the show get working on tomorrow's spring training picks. So if you're Let's a go. Sportsline member, best value on the internet, you can check those out and do whatever you want with those picks. I'm not going to tell you to. To bet them, if you want to fade them, hey, you know, we all can make money somehow. It's spring training. But if you want to read the column, I'll, it'll be up on Sportsline probably by the morning. All right, Patrick, got a couple of live winners at Long Shots. Louie, what's going on there? Yeah, he's someone I've bet the first two events. Uh, Mayakoba, T8, Neiman won, obviously, there. Vegas, 50th. <laughs> DJ won there. So it seems like if I bet him, the other guy's going to win. So it's kind of mm-hmm. a, a combo piece. But he won twice on the DP World Tour during uh, the fall and winter. Just finished nicely there in Omen. I believe he finished uh, runner up to Carlos Ortiz in the Asian Tour event last week. So 35 to 1 just seems like that sweet spot for me. Uh, and with Liv, the beautiful thing is I know it's 54 players, but probably only 20 can win. And so this is one of the. Uh, upper ranges of one of those guys and then Mito Pereira he's popped a bunch on live he's real more uh, boomer bust option he seems to play himself into the mix or completely implode he finished fourth in omen last week uh and he's a guy who we know from his time on the PGA tour uh major championships I mean when his ball striking is humming it is like world world class so 41 to 1 I know it's a weird number that's what FanDuel had I think it's a, a pretty tasty price for him all right, uh, I'm feeling pretty confident about these. I'm going Brooks Kepka at 11 to one. He's won. They, they played twice here in Jetta, and he's won both in a playoff. So at 11 to one, okay, let's go for the three peat. I mean, he's not top of board. Rom is, and then DJ second. So you know what? I'm, I'm fine with Kepka at 11 to one. Really like Adrian Moronk. That'd be my top play here. He won on the DP World Tour in October. Has four top tens in his last five events around the world, and at two desert courses in Dubai in January, similar to this week's layout. He went T10 and solo second. Now, in that second tournament, Joaquin Neiman finished fourth, and he went on to win Liv Mayakoba two weeks later. Is there a correlation? Uh, maybe, maybe not. But Moronk at 35 to 1, there is some juicy price. There's a juicy price there. And Peter Uline at 50 to 1. So I'm getting a player who finished second and T11 at this course. So he lost to Kepka in 22 and then T11 last year. He's coming off a solo sixth last week in, at, in Oman. And oh, by the way, he finished T2 at Live Las Vegas a few weeks ago, and I'm getting him at 50 to 1, and you get him at 3 to 1 in the top 10. Yeah, sign me up for that. So you can bet those. I think DK also has uh, positions there, finishing positions. So Moronk and Uline are ones that I would talk about here. Now, a player that I would not be betting on is Anthony Kim at 150 to 1. Patrick, you saw the video of his swing. He's coming back for the first time, has not played professional golf since 2012. What are your thoughts on AK this week? My thoughts are I am excited to see Anthony Kim play golf. With that being said, 
I think a fair over under for Anthony Kim in a 54 man field, 12 years removed from professional golf. It's probably somewhere in that like 47 and a half range. You look at someone like Will Zalatoris, for example, coming back from eight months. It took him a few tournaments to get his feet under him. So coming back from 12 years, even though he was a great talent, I mean, his game's different, definitely different. His swing's going to be different. It's going to be good to see him out on the golf course. But outside of that, I don't really expect too much from Anthony Kim this week. See ya. Oh, same same analysis there. I mean, I mean, listen, he's he's certainly not bettable in any respect. I think it's a fun story. I hope I hope he's successful. I mean, I listen like whether it's Live or PGA Tour, we need good stories in golf, and he's an exciting one. He's one of many exciting ones, particularly on the Live Tour. So, see what happens. Before we get going this week, one guy that we really didn't talk about much is Rory McIlroy. So I, I faded him in a, in a matchup against Russell Henley. Patrick, your thoughts on McIlroy at seven and a half to one plus seven fifty. Do you like him? Are you fading him? Do you stay? Uh, just thoughts on Rory this week. I'll probably play him uh, in DFS a decent amount, uh, to tell you the truth. His driver is good. It's just the real concern with Rory this week is he's had like three whole stretches on the West Coast that just derail his tournament. And if he has one of those this week, it's going to be you're going to know about it, right? It's going to be double bogey bogey triple bogey something like that that we saw at the genesis invitational so that's the only cause for concern given the short number but if he's hovering you know at those cutoff points like you said at the beginning of the show there's no reason he can't win this tournament right he's expected to win every time he goes out see we saw him last night in the match uh where he where his team won the match if you if you tuned into that does that make you more encouraged maybe to to put something on rory this week I was watching my TCU bet lose, so no, I wasn't watching that. Um, by the way, go Texas tonight at 9 o'clock uh, against Texas Tech. Uh, no, not really. I mean, listen, you know, he's obviously the class of the field. He's he's lost on approach in three out of the last four tournaments that he's played in. I don't really care about that too much because he's a superstar, and we know they can just turn it on at any given moment. But, uh, you know, the short game's been a little checkered, too. So, no, I mean, to, to answer your initial question, at 7.5 to 1 or whatever it is, I don't want to compare it to the Tony Finau situation because Rory McIlroy's in a different class than Tony Finau is, but I have no intention of betting on him. I will say in DFS, because there's such, like, soft pricing and such weird pricing and we have another 5K range uh, on DraftKings, you know, I think a lot of people will end up getting to Rory McIlroy builds. Um, and I would encourage whatever you do this week, uh, especially because there is what I think people will conceive as soft pricing. Uh, I don't think you need to fade chalk as much as you need to make sure your lineup construction is different. So just know if, if people are playing cheap guys, they're probably going up to Rory. So maybe one way to pivot off of that type of build is to not play Rory and play a bunch of 8K guys or a bunch of 9K guys with your cheap guys. Anyway, just a just a little side note on roster construction. That's a way you can be different, but no intention of playing Roy. But I'm not going to fade him in the matchup market either. You know, if you didn't get enough info on this show, first of all, I don't know how that's possible, but you can go and read all of our columns at sportsline.com. Sia has one. Patrick has, believe, two up there. I have uh, a couple, including Liv. So plenty of information on this show and on sportsline.com. If you need a promo code, DM me on Twitter, and I will get you the best rate that I can find. So uh, find me on X or Twitter, and uh, we'll go from there. So before you log out, before you're done watching this video, uh, please like it and, and make sure that you are subscribed to the Sportsline YouTube page. Thanks to producer Jake behind the scenes for doing a great job and compiling my auto-fade list. Great show once again. We'll be back next Tuesday at, uh, at 7 p.m. Eastern. As I always like to say, let's hit it big. Good luck. Good luck.